This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, everybody. It's a forever mighty kind of night. It's our <laughs> podcast making the season debut. I'm Patrick alongside Eddie and Jason for this Forever Mighty episode, season preview of the Ducks. What's happening, guys? What up? It's going good. Finally getting the season underway after being away for what feels like forever. I think we waited too long. Yeah. We should, yeah. maybe should have done something a little earlier. But hey, you know. We're back. Good things come to those who yeah. wait. Yeah. And all of our fans have just been waiting and they get the best thing possible, which is a new show. Everybody's, yeah. so, like, everybody's sitting here hearing us say whatever. And they're like, we've been waiting for a while. Yeah. Well, we're going to do stuff. You guys have you guys have fans here? Yeah, we got some, got some things going on. Um, if you've been listening along on the Puck Guys side of things, we did it for 31 and 30. Technically, it was a 30 and 30 because we left the Ducks out on purpose. Um, at the last minute, we're like, hey, we're going to do a giant show. We'll just promote it here on Forever Mighty and do it. I'll give you guys a full season preview today. Ducks made a pickup this afternoon. They got some injury news. Uh, a lot of young kids playing in preseason, making impressions across the board. We got to talk about someone's holding out. So basket of tricks for everybody uh to open up and be surprised on um let's first talk about who they picked up today i want to talk about pointis auberg i think i said his name correctly I, I didn't remember him in nashville until eddie's like yeah he remember he's the guy who burned us and i was like oh oh yeah that guy that yeah. guy but still it's it's a real minor pickup for the ducks it kind of seems a little insignificant for those who don't know him um what was your guys's take on him uh, it's it's not a bad move. I mean, they added a depth forward. Richie's not in the lineup right now. The ton of injuries: Kessler, Heaves, Perry, uh, Kevin Wall still out. Cali Castle is out, so uh, there's no real issue with it. He's still young. He's 25. Had eight points in 16 games with Edmonton last year, so he can put up points. Um, you know, the only downside is in his career, his possession numbers haven't been that great. He's at 45, just over 45 percent, so it's not screaming amazing, but. Whatever. I mean, he's going to be a bottom six guy. Uh, he can potentially get plugged into the lineup, go down to San Diego if they, if they don't need him. I think it's great. He's a fast player. It, it kind of goes to what they've been looking for to build a faster team. And uh, I, I like the pick. It, nothing really bad can come from it. Yeah, it's a depth, uh, depth move. So it's a little bit of, hey, you know, Richie, if you don't want to sign, we've got people uh and also on top of that those uh young kids the troy terry's the sam Steeles, uh, everyone else seems to be kind of coming up and uh, getting a real good uh, chance at cracking this roster and if that starts to happen uh, you know and they they take those or solidify themselves in those uh, positions and he finds himself as the odd man out it's not really terrible to send him down san diego way uh and kind of bolster that team because they're going to be missing a few guys that they were probably anticipating to really kind of carry the team so uh it's a speed guy that can help them out you know round out that bottom six like eddie said uh speed is the name of the game now so not a bad depth move yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not upset by it. I just kind of was like, oh, it's kind of interesting to pick somebody up. I know they have a lot of kids trying to make the team, um, but 
they always like to get an NHLer to fill roles too. That's always a, a Bob Murray thing. He's going to get plenty of time to think about how to appropriate these kids into the lineup. But this move, I mean, I say kids, he's still young, like you guys said too. So adding a speed factor is good. I guess it's better than having um, Carter Rowney or Anton Rodin or somebody who's not going to make the team. I don't think all season. I think Rodin didn't make the team. He's going back over to, to Europe, right? I mean, he's. I think he's not coming over to Anaheim at all. Yeah, he said. I think he said if he doesn't make the team, that he was not going to play in San Diego. He's just going to go back to Sweden. I think is where he's playing him. last year. So yeah, well, yeah. I mean, he's a Euro guy. Seems to either want to play in the NHL or go and back and play in his home country. And again, why not? I mean, it's better competition there. He probably gets paid more money there. Why would you want to sit in the minors and maybe hope for a call up when you've got a lot of guys in front of you? And obviously, they're giving credit to some of the younger guys. Who have played better than him, but you don't want to sit behind that if they're they're going to give a chance to a lot of the younger guys. He's never going to get a chance to play. But what about the weather in San Diego? Yeah, it's beautiful there. That's totally worth <laughs> sitting around on getting on buses and going other places. Oh, I'm sure it's amazing. Oh, yeah. I'm sure the buses are worth the the AHL grind. <laughs> Talking to a guy who loves buses over here. Right? Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, bus lover. Um, let's talk about one of the kids. Uh, he's 22 years old. Uh, power forward. He's not currently playing a, mm. on this uh, Anaheim Ducks lineup. Uh, Nick Ritchie, mm. apparently working out with uh, famed kick your ass into shape guy Gary Roberts. Uh, he was always known as a workout machine his, himself in his days in the NHL being Toronto, a tough guy. Right? Yeah. yeah, so Toronto, Pittsburgh. I mean, Gary Roberts is a tough dude, and now he's he's getting dudes in shape to play hockey, and, and that's where uh, Nick Ritchie is. He's not in the lineup. Uh, not in preseason. There's a little a bit of a contract negotiation going on or not going, I guess you could put it. They're, they're not seeing eye to eye. How do you guys feel about Nick Ritchie right now? Do you think you should be a little uh, worried about maybe his skates being filled on the ice by somebody else? If anybody needs to have a, a crazy workout in the offseason, it's, it's probably Nick Ritchie because uh, as we've seen the last few seasons, he's kind of put on a little bit of extra LBs, as Kessler would put it, over a lot of the other players on the team. So, I don't know. With him being unsigned, I don't think it's a major issue. He was going to slot into a bottom six role anyway. And it gives guys like Maxim Comtois, who was reported to have made the team today, it gives him a chance. It gives Troy Terry a chance, Sam Steele, maybe Isaac Lindstrom if he makes the team. So it gives us a chance to see some of these younger guys who were kind of moved on from Richie from being you know an exciting 10th overall pick. And now we're looking at these guys to come up and hopefully replace him. doesn't look good on him. Because if Maxime Comtois comes in, plays the exact same position, is a big guy, drives play, if he comes in and, and does well, Nick Ritchie, what's he going to demand at that point? What's he going to say? You know, How is he going to prove that the team really needs him when they've got a guy on his ELC who's outperforming him? Well, he's got to say Tom Wilson. Look at what Tom Wilson got. I'm kind of like Tom Wilson. <laughs> I can get, get suspended. suspended. <laughs> I can get suspended. Yeah. I can take. I can drop. Yeah, penalties. I, I can, can do hit. that. Yeah, I'm worth that. Uh, yeah, I just uh, you know I'm gonna miss his baby face. I really am, especially if he works out and loses all the chubby cheeks that he's got. They're so pinchable. But uh, yeah, I mean, this is one of the the things that Bob Murray was saying is that there there's very rare times that the team or the ownership has more control over the contract negotiations. And that's what they have now. The, the fact that these younger players have been stepping up so far in preseason, see if it transfers to, you know, regular season games, but that gives them even more 
you know, room or pause to do it. So it's kind of a, a gamble if you're trying to play hardball and get more money, but it's also a gamble for the Ducks if they don't have anyone who can come in and kind of fill some of that role. So you see this sometimes where they kind of roll the dice, see how the few, you know, few uh, first uh, weeks or even month uh, goes by, and then, you know, if the, you know he's easily replaceable, then he has to take, you know, less money to try and prove himself that he can oust those guys. So it's kind of, I think he's just kind of, a, uh, he's waiting and seeing, what that might do and then try and get more leverage if he can. Uh, but if those guys play well, he, he's losing leverage on top of I it. I mean, if Nick Ritchie was a 20 goal guy, I wouldn't be worried if I was him holding out. That's the thing though. He's not a 20 yeah. goal guy. He's not a 20 goal, 50 point guy. That's like, you know, middle finger to you guys. I, I could put a 50 points this year, put in 20, 25 goals. Plus I'm a power forward. I defend my teammates. He's just not that guy. He he had a good run with Kasha and Henrique last season over a stretch of probably a dozen games, maybe a little over a dozen games where he put up some points, um, a lot of secondary assists. But, hey, points are points, and he was starting to get on the board and feel good. Uh, whatever magic happened there was just, was just short-lived, and he, he hasn't really you know met his potential, but it's always his potential slotted up next to his draft rank, right? Where he was drafted at is what's always going to kill this kid. Uh, we said it on the show so many times that he just gets compared numbers wise and salary wise whatever to where he was picked in the draft and it, it's tough for him to own up to that because maybe he's just not that guy and he was selected too high um but i think that's the real problem where he's at is he's not a top six guy he's middle at best and mostly bottom six and when you wait around like that and you let these other kids come up who are projected much higher than you at their current stage in their career you're really probably leaving dollars on the table at this point because you might be pushing yourself out the door maybe just being a permanent fourth line guy on the ducks or being traded yeah, those those younger guys that they're going to shine a little bit brighter than he is, and uh, he might start that that light or that shine on him starts fading away if these guys get a little bit brighter and look a little bit better, because uh, then you kind of go like, oh yeah, we used to have Richie, huh? Ah, we got these guys. I think people are already kind of in that mindset. Yeah, that mindset. Yeah. yeah, they're like, oh, he's still here. You know, he's kind of done that to himself a bit. Um, we've, we're now excited. I mean, we've been excited about Troy Terry and Sam Steele for a while, but now everybody's excited about uh, Maxim Comtois. Now everybody's excited about Isaac Lindstrom. People are even excited about Kiefer Sherwood, who's had a good preseason and a good training camp. And Nick Ritchie's kind of just got pushed to the side. He, he's not an old guy. He's still young. I mean, he, like you said, he's, I think he's 21, right, is what you said he is. 22. So, 22. 22. So, I mean, he's still a young guy. He still has a lot to prove. But now he's found himself slipped behind a lot of these guys because of his contract dispute. He wasn't able to participate in preseason where he could have proved himself and maybe deserved to, to take a roster spot from some of these guys. And now he has to come into this, the regular season whenever he gets signed and come right into this team and somehow prove he's ready to play. There was a quote by Getzlaff. I don't exactly remember what he said, but he did not seem too happy that Nick Ritchie was holding out for a contract. They were saying he, he basically was saying that he better get back here as soon as possible if he really wants to have a spot in this team, which makes sense because what is he holding out for? Like, What can he possibly think he's going to get? Like you said, he's not a 50-point guy. He has what I would think no leverage in this type of decision. It's not like the Ducks are trying to shaft him with a crap contract. He's just not worth a good one. He hasn't proved it yet. Yeah. Um, speaking of guys who don't earn their contract... Uh, there's a, a certain star player, a former <laughs> star player on this Ducks team that we've also yet to really see shine. And that's because Corey Perry blew out his knee in warm-up, um, basically being hated on by Ducks fans. I mean, we're all part of that little hate. And then hated mostly across the league. Uh, Corey Perry's just not – we're not going to see him. 
We're not going to see him until Christmas at earliest. He's, oh, he's out he's five dead. months even farther than that, with yeah. a yeah. torn meniscus and MCL. He had surgery done. How does one do that in warm-up? That's what I'm going to say. Mm. I was, I was just, I was like, you I know, wonder. That, 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 that happens all the time. Guys just you take a little stride and boom, it blows up. I saw Twitter comments that were like, apparently you haven't been old and stretched the wrong way or turned. Like, this is a professional this is an athlete, athlete yeah. you idiot. Yeah. Like, yeah. This is a lingering just... injury. It had to exactly. be. There's, there's no way that he was just skating out there and like turned the wrong way and blew his knee out. Obviously, he had knee problems to begin with and did something, tweaked it the wrong way, and, and then it popped out. I, I mean, we, you could see that. The way he was playing the last few seasons, and we knew he had knee injuries, like, I think from my memory, he's taken at least two or three knee on knee contacts in like the last three or four seasons. And he's gotten up and somehow come back and played, if only maybe missing a couple of games. So it's about time, honestly, that he's gone out and gotten knee surgery with some of the hits that he's taken. Yeah, that's a that's a weird thing with the knee, too. Sometimes it's like it's it's either you you you. You suck it up and you go do the surgery, but then that's even kind of iffy because once you do surgery, you're, you're you're not quite sure if that knee ever gets back to whatever it could have been. So even though you know you might feel a little bit better, you might lose something permanently. Not that he was the fastest guy in the first place, so I kind of feel like it was something that was nagging, but was never at a point that required surgery. And the fear is, well, if I go into surgery. And, you know, I come out, it's just not going to be anywhere near what you know I usually need it. So I think he was kind of maybe trying to baby it along, see where it went. And then, yeah, I mean, it's just you can only do that for so long, especially the style that he plays. He's trying to pull a team move. He's going to have yeah. knee surgery, come back and put up 90 points. Well, he's going to need a lockout because that's what Timo got. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, a whole year to rest that thing up. Oh, so he should have blew his knee out in a year, right? Because yeah, a lockout's much. coming in two years, I that's, think. That's so. Yeah, but I mean, it's kind of a blessing in disguise a little bit not for I him mean, i bit, mean not yeah. for him but i mean for for the rest of the the team it was kind of you, you always hope he can kind of come back i mean he's never going to be back to what he was but i mean this this kind of opens that door once again for that that youth movement that a lot of fans i feel have been kind of waiting for to happen and this is why we're getting the chances with, you know, uh, Troy Terry out there uh, and the Gibbons even, you know, before he got injured, uh, you know, possibly kind of coming in there and kind of helping the team out. So it's we get to see some of the younger players that we've been hearing about for such a long time. Uh, that doesn't necessarily happen unless we have this, you know, unfortunate well, injury. We've seen it in defense happen. We just never saw the turnover on forward. Right. I mean, yeah. you get Andre Kasha and Ricard Raquel are kind of like the big standouts. And, of course, we know Jacob Silver came over in the trade for Bobby Ryan. But when you're talking about talent that's come through the system, we, I mean, if Kessler's not injured and Ease isn't injured and Perry's not injured, you're not even going to get a glimpse of Lundestrom in the regular season by chance, Comtois oh, by yeah. se- in the season by chance, or possibly even Steele. I mean, the only real lock right now is Troy Terry. He's going to get big minutes because of the injuries. Otherwise, he's a fourth-line guy on this team. And that's yeah. where I think that they would have put him. I think the injuries to this Ducks team, like, Jason just said is making way for a youth movement into players we probably would have to wait another year or two to even get a glimpse of. Yeah, and and again, that's I guess why it's a bit of a blessing. Of course, we all want to see Perry and Kessler and Eves healthy, and maybe some people want to see Nick Ritchie in the lineup or they want to see some of these guys in. But now we get to really see a full taste of Troy Terry. I mean, we were all disappointed last year when he only played a handful of games and they sat him for some meaningless games at the end of the regular season, didn't play him. They were down 3 nothing to the Sharks, didn't put him in the lineup. 
it almost felt like there was no reason for them to burn a, a year off of his entry level contract. And now we actually get to see him in, in a prominent role in this team. We get to see him on the top line, presumably with Ryan Getzlaff and Ricard Raquel. Max Comtois makes the team, which was a little bit of a surprise for most people. I think going into camp, you probably wouldn't have expected him to make the team. And then he just was probably the best player, I think. Maybe you could argue Sam Steele was up there, but he was the best player throughout training camp and throughout the preseason. And then you get guys like Lindstrom and Sherwood who are still somehow sticking around because of all those injuries. So it's nice to be able to get a look at some of those guys when normally we probably wouldn't have been able to see them until maybe later in the season with injuries or next year. So let's let's talk about those kids. How does this affect the lineup? If, you know, What are these lines going to look like going into opening night? I mean, we'll get to the other injuries in a minute when we were talking about Eves and Kessler. We have updates on both of them as well. But you're looking at a top line of Ricard, Raquel, Ryan Getzloff, and probably Troy Terry. That's, I mean, Troy Terry is going to be slotted along Getzloff. He's going to take Eve's spot, as I would imagine. Don't you think? Yeah, I would think so. Uh, I, I mean, he scored a pretty nice goal that we've got running up here with uh, off, off a nice pass from Ryan Getzloff. And uh, they did just seem to get some chemistry going uh, in preseason so far. And it, it really looks like, I mean, anybody playing with Ryan Getzloff, if you're open, he's going to find you the puck and you're going to be able to put it in the back of the net. Because he ain't shooting it. No, no, yeah. It was a, it was a bad one from the last preseason game against the Kings too, where he had two good chances to shoot it and he just wasted it. But I mean, we're all used to that at this point. But yeah, I mean, it, it looks it's a good opportunity for Troy Terry to say the least. Um, you know, if he wasted, then we could see somebody else get put up there. Andre Castro could maybe make his way up there. Jakob Silverberg could even go over back to the right wing. Uh, Comtois could go up there. There's a lot of options they could move around, but it looks like Troy Terry is going to be the guy to start there and why not I, I mean you know it, it's a good opportunity to get him to play with some excellent players and you know I'm a little bit surprised that maybe Andre Kasha wasn't given the chance but he developed a little bit of chemistry with uh, Adam Henrique so it looks like they're going to go with that so if he if he takes a hold of it and runs with it the question becomes where does Perry slot in when he comes back yeah, I mean, he spent time on the fourth line, Perry did, last year. So, I mean, uh, there's already something where if uh, he comes back and he's going to take him a little while to kind of get, you know, those legs underneath him. And, uh, you know, Troy Terry's doing his thing and Silverberg's doing his thing. And it's not impossible to see, you know, Perry down third, fourth line uh, like he was uh, quite a bit last season. So uh, that's one thing. And then Sam Steele's going to slot in as that third uh, center in there uh, for, for right now. You know, uh, hopefully, you know, he keeps uh, building on what he did in this preseason, some nice snipes uh, that he had. Uh, it's good. It's their, their breakout season. So, I mean, this is uh, their, their chance to kind of show it, and they've got some time uh, and some confidence, I would think, uh, given what they did in the rookie tournament and then also what they uh, did in the preseason. So these guys are looking good. So who do you think slots in alongside Adam Henrique with Andre Kasha with no Nick Ritchie? You think Comtois slots in there? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's Silverberg. Um, just because they've had him playing off wing. Bob Murray said he wants him to play off wing. Uh, I think we've talked about it a bit before and how maybe that will help Silverberg moving over to the left wing because it means he's going to be able to get top six time on this team. But I don't think he's solidified there if he struggles because if Comtois is playing good or he still remains with his team after nine games, he could easily slot up on, on that line and, and move up there. And, and maybe Pontus Averick, who they just got, if he gets a chance and impresses, uh, he's always a guy who could potentially step up into the top six with, you know, he, he's not the b most offensive player 
on the team, but he's a guy who can put up points. He's a fast player. I think he can play well if he's put together with some good line mates. So there's a chance that he could slot up there as well. So I don't think really anybody's spot is safe other than the fact that Getzlaff and Raquel are going to be together in the top line. And Adam Henrique is going to be a second line center with Andre Kasha. After that, I think there's a lot of fluidity where these guys can move up and down the lineup. I think it'd be like a Sam Steele, Maxime Comtois, Andrew Cogliano line. Something of the sorts. That seems like a pretty fast line, too. Yeah, yeah I think so. I, I, I mean, either way, I mean, the, having the kids in here immediately makes any of the Ducks games kind of a must-watch. Being able to see Comtois and Steele and Terry and potentially Lindstrom and Sherwood and all these guys play that we really haven't get to see too much of them at all unless you've been watching a lot of their junior games or been watching the AHL. So having them all come in is exciting, but it's also nerve-wracking at the same time because we've got a lot of regulars out of the lineup and now we're relying all these kids to come out and produce. So it's going to be a fun one come Wednesday. But uh, it's nerve-wracking at the same time because it, it could backfire as easily as it could go well. I just want to hear all the announcers say come to a lot. <coughs> Jesus. <Yeah. laughs> Let's talk about the defensive side of things. Uh, the Ducks are going to have probably a couple of changes in there. They brought over Andre Schuster, Luke Shen. And it looks like Marcus Pedersen is going to make the team because Jacob Larson doesn't know how to play in the NHL yet. Mm. Uh, plenty of time to make that, that leap. He just hasn't been able to do it. Um, hopefully, I know we talked to Steve Corianos um, over the summer, and he said, "Don't lose faith in that kid. He's a, he's a big guy. He has still has potential to play, but he just hasn't made that step." So, I mean, I, I pretty much feel like it's going to be Cam Fowler, Brandon Montour, um, Josh Manson, and Cam Fowler, or Josh oh, Manson oh. and Hampus Lindholm rather, if Murray's smart and Randy Carlisle's smart, and they both decide to stay with those two solid uh, top defensive pairing lines. It's when you get to that third pair, it gets a little it gets a little muddy. It's probably going to be Marcus Pedersen, and then on any given night, you're going to have Luke Shin or Andre Schuster, right? I mean, that's that's kind of like the way it's going to be rolling in and out. It's kind of like the BX of Oshiman that we saw last season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big, big big older guys that are just kind of slow. They're not, they're not going to help the play out a whole lot. So it's they're there, I guess, to kind of also feel a little uh, fill out a little bit of what uh, BX brought, which wasn't a whole lot of good, but it was a big body that can hopefully not allow. Too it was a many Superman the, punch. Yeah, 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 yeah. If they're fighters, yeah. Those but, were the highlight moments. Yeah, but I'm saying, like, you know, in some games, though, our regular defenseman could get pushed around a little bit. So sometimes they may bring in the Schuster or Luke Shen to be a bigger body that might help block out in front of. Uh, Gibson kind of help him see a little bit better, not get as many, you know, rebound a second wax at it. That's I'm guessing the hope. I mean, it's still a head scratcher to, to bring those guys in and, and take up spots. Uh, but I guess once again, like they, two they, of them. They, Did you need two they of them? Want, I guess they're going with reliability and the fact that they played and have NHL experience. Uh, that's the only thing I'm trying to find some reason. Yeah. Struggling. I don't know. I mean, the Stars picked up Connor Carrick for like a conditional seventh round pick from Toronto today, which I would rather have over Schuster or Luke yep. Shen. But I mean, whatever. I, I, I think the question becomes, is Fowler going to play with Montour? Because I don't think they played together once in the preseason. And the but last... I'm saying it's so weird to me. Yeah. I mean, if you wanted them to be a pairing, you look at it, it worked last year. Why would you not play them together in preseason and get some chemistry going or at least you know build up a familiarity in the partnership that they had last year? I think the last game we had Fowler with Manson and Lindholm with Montour. 
I, I, don't, I don't get it. I mean, at least with Lindholm and Manson, you know that's generally going to be good on any given night. They have the history to prove that. They're generally one of the best teams at suppressing shots when they're, or one of the best pairings at suppressing shots when they're on the ice, but they haven't been together. You know, maybe that changes come Wednesday night and they just put Lindholm back with Manson and Fowler back with Monter and we don't have to worry. But if that gets changed up, I mean, that wouldn't make any sense. And then the bottom pairing, I mean, Pedersen and Suster is what I would assume they're going to go with. I think it's better, obviously, than having BX and Boschman in the lineup. I think anything hey, could be better than that. You guys, <laughs> you guys forget about that beautiful pass BX had in Detroit. Yes, you, I oh, how could that? I forget? No, <laughs> I forgot about it. You bring that up every time we talk about Kevin BX. <laughs> but I don't know. I would have liked to see Jacob Larson, but he didn't have an impressive preseason. He was really just subpar, and Pedersen didn't play great either. But he played good enough and better than yeah. Larson to make the team. I like Josh Mahura a lot, but I think they, I think they just like the defensive responsibility that you see in, in Pedersen's game. He, he feels like right now, at least, a more complete player. I think Mahura had a little bit more offensive flair from what you saw from him. He drove play a little bit better, I think, but more risky than Pedersen. So give him some time in the AHL. He hasn't played any pro hockey yet other than just the preseason right now. So give him some time in the AHL. Maybe he gets seen later. But the depth on the left side is great. I mean, you've got Lindholm, Fowler, Patterson, Larson, Mahura. On the right side, it's Schuster and Shen and Walensky. But that experiment didn't really work out last year in the playoffs when they had Patterson with Walensky either. So I don't know. I'm, I'm a little bit more worried about that bottom pairing. But honestly, anything's better than last year. And they don't move the needle that much. The bottom pair is not going to win or lose you a game nine, mm, 99 times year, out of 100. <laughs> uh, yeah, BX got caught a couple of times. Your yeah. got caught a couple of times. But mostly it's not going to affect the game. A guy playing six minutes. Um, but to have four solid puck-moving guys, that's what drives this Anaheim offense. Um, and it's going to be very curious to see how they're able to pair up and mesh with all the new fours that have come into this group because of injuries. Um, injuries being to a guy named... Ryan Kessler. We knew that he was expected to be back. Oh, he's fine. He's fine. He's he ended up playing uh, parts of last season anyway. He's going to be back. No big deal. Uh, go to the summer, and he's like, turns out he was almost dead. Yeah, yeah. He's pretty much <laughs> a, a shell of himself, learning how to skate again. He said he wanted to drop a bunch of weight to be faster. Uh, putting in all the rehab work. He's still doing like light contact duty in practice to give an injury update on him. Eric Stevens said he was jousting a little bit with Schuster. Make it what you will. I mean, no one's cross-checking Ryan Kessler in the back uh, in games right now. Like, he's going to be just eating those like he does all regular season. Yeah. But um, I guess the outlook's kind of murky for him. Is he going to play? Is he not going to play? Is he going to beat the shit out of Ryan uh, Johansson, or is he not? I mean, no one really knows. And he's probably waiting for that day to make his comeback. Yeah. yeah. It, was I, weird. I, I, it was weird that he would say that. I mean, I mean, maybe he didn't mean anything by it, but I think people took that for a little bit more than what it was, saying that, no, I'll, basically, I'll see you on the ice. Everybody's like, oh, he must be ready. I mean, he's ready to throw down with Johansson. He must be ready to go. And now, you know, he's still skating with contact, but light contact. So, I don't know. Um, we don't even know. Like, so How healthy is he going to be? Because if anything is better than last year, but he could easily come back and just be the exact same he was last year. Yeah, there, there's the, the push and pull that they kind of have, uh, and they have an open communication between the, the Ducks management and the coaches and Kessler. They don't want him to come back until he is 100% healthy. The problem is he's a battler, he's a competitor, so sometimes that's a push, and they're going to have to know when to pull back. So they're, they're kind of you know taking it 
step by step, you know, let him do it, see how he feels. If he's feeling good, then it's the next step. You kind of keep going. But they both have committed to each other that they weren't going to try and put him back in until he was ready to do it and was ready to compete and, you know, not have what we saw last year where it was just a struggle and a shell of a the former Kessler. But it'll be interesting to see when it comes back. He's a lot closer than um, Eves is, the, the next guy I'm sure we're Which about to so talk strange. about. Which is so strange. Eves had a what do you think that was a life-threatening condition yeah. he had some sort of virus that ends up being a virus rather than incident than an autoimmune disorder they don't know what the hell it was all of a sudden he feels starts feeling better starts coming around and the next thing you know he's got a shoulder injury and no one really knows how or why the rumor we heard which is probably just a rumor is that he got in a car accident which say what you will whether that's correct or not it is kind of strange that he gets better from this mystery illness and then all of a sudden has a shoulder injury in the off season which generally doesn't happen um, he's really further away than Kessler. Yeah, it seems like. I mean, he's he's not even really skating for the most part. Um, yeah. So he's he's they, they're pretty much just having him on the shelf Good for right now, God. just just waiting waiting for it to go. It doesn't seem like it's super far away, but then again, with this stuff, these just, are older dudes. Like Kessler yeah. just turned thirty four. Yeah, yeah. I think what's he's the bigger loss then? Like, what do you think is the bigger loss long term, Eves or Kessler? Oh, Kessler. Kessler's got that gigantic immovable contract. I mean, at least Eves only got two more seasons. No, no, like, I mean, at, to play of the team. Like, mm. who's a bigger loss to the Eves. team? Like, Kessler, like, if you had Kessler, let's say, like, like 20, uh, it's at 50% like he was last year, whatever he was, like, 25% better Kessler or Patrick Eves at full health playing with, let's say, Ryan Getzlaff. Like, I would take Kessler. Loss? Yeah, I'd take Kessler. Yeah, uh, I would say Eves. I mean, just because he had such good chemistry with Getzloff, that's why he got the big contract. That's why I was like, hey, we can't wait to see what happens. And then he was pretty much yeah, gone but he, all but he, last But he year. only plays like a one-sided game, whereas Kessler plays all over the ice. I, mean, I think just as a as a multi-tool, I'd rather have that than just a guy who scores. I mean, I mean you could, but even then, yeah, I'm not sure you're going to get the same Kessler from forever now. I mean, yeah, I don't think you're going to get the same. I mean, he'll be an agitator. He'll piss off the other team yeah, but do that also, stuff. But on the flip side, you're talking about Eves, who had a career year of 32. That's yeah. really not going to come back again, I don't feel like. I think it's I think close. Can, like I think it, he it, absolutely could. Yeah. I mean, it, it's close. Uh, I think anybody playing with Ryan Getzlaff is going to get a boost. So, if yeah, if, if Eves is the go-to guy in that line, which Maybe he's not with Ricard Raquel, but either way, I think he's eventually going to get some Troy Terry-esque goals in preseason where he's wide open and he just has to throw it into an empty net. Hitting 20 is a stretch, you know, maybe 15, close to 20. I don't know. He's not going to get any power play time. That's why it makes it tough for me. All those goals would probably have to come at 5-on-5, five five, which is tough. But I would have to swing towards Kessler because if, if he was just even that little bit healthier than he was Last season, if he's a little bit faster, if he can put up a little bit more points, like if he becomes like a 35-point guy and gets a somewhat you know close to what he could contribute defensively before, I think that's better long-term to this team than having Patrick Eves. Because I think, realistically, Troy Terry could potentially replace Eves' production playing with Ryan Getzlaff. But I don't think you know bringing Sam Steele in as a third-line center is necessarily going to replace what Ryan Kessler could bring to this team, even at 75%. Yeah, well, what if he does come back and he is good and it's almost, you know, you know, really close to the Kessler we used to have? Do they try and bring back the shutdown line where they have Cogliano, Silverberg? Yeah. 
Uh, because then, then, well, then Kasha's got to go down to third line yeah. minutes. Yeah. Uh, Henrik goes down to third. I mean, the old guys who so. get paid always take precedence. <laughs> they're they're, 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 they're the money makers. They, yeah. They're gonna have. They want to see them play. Yeah, I mean, so that, the, the line was good. Like it was good for a while, and then it just started getting bad. Obviously, I guess when Ryan Kessler got hurt, but then it just started like impeding guys from coming up into the lineup. Like that one year where it was just wasn't working, and they just kept forcing it. And it was just they were always together, no matter what. Until I think, literally, yeah, I think they were, like they were together the whole time until Kessler yep. was done, and it impeded like Andre Kasha from moving up in the lineup, and he was playing really well. Gelled obviously with Henrik and Richie for a bit, but how do you not, you know, promote that guy up the lineup? You can't because you got that line that was stuck together. I feel like it's a go-to if they if they're all back healthy. It's going to be tough for Randy Carlyle to resist just wanting to put them back together. <laughs> like that just yeah. feels like a thing for him. And who knows if Jacob Silver is going to be on this team this year, uh, the full season? Is there's a solid chance he gets moved to the deadline? Uh, he's got an expiring contract. They're they, they're going to say whatever they want about being able to negotiate. Or we're you know we know we're talking, <laughs> but I think that Nick Ritchie's sooner coming back and with a new contract than Jacob Silver is right now. I think that he they're going to assess this team midway point, see what they, see what his value is. Hope he has a kick ass year, and if they don't quite make it over the hump, he's going to be gone. They're going to trade him for somebody and move some salary out of the way. Um, so we kind of go over the roster. And pretty much hit on every point except goaltending. Uh, you guys think that John Gibson's poised to have yet another yes. amazing year? Sorry, I answered too quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <clears throat> yeah, I, I think he, uh, he will. I mean, uh, this dude was, what, six, sixth in save percentage um, for the season. Uh, he doesn't get uh, a whole lot of uh, love there, but, I mean, the other really impressive thing that he was able to do is he was the best goalie save percentage wise shorthanded. He was above uh, around or around 92 save percentage. So you think of how much the Ducks are shorthanded, which they are shorthanded a lot. I think they actually led the league in uh, uh, penalty differentials, what they get called on versus what they drew. This is a team that will has had that reputation anyways and will continue on. So what you're really going to need is you know, a goalie that can handle that, and he was the best at it. So uh, I think he's good. His game is getting better and better every year. The save percentage gets higher. The goals against seem to get lower. Uh, he really kind of solidified himself, in my eyes, as a goalie that can play and be great. And if he can't, Ryan Miller was not too shabby last year. It didn't look great against the Kings in the preseason, but – um, this is a guy who's uh, a veteran who knows how to play has accepted his role as the backup. And basically this is kind of one of his last cracks at trying to get a Stanley cup. Yeah. I, I mean, we've only seen a small taste of Gibson so far in preseason. I think he had a, a backup or a half game and then he had the full game against the Kings where he shut them out and looked great. I mean, he looked like the Gibson we're used to seeing. I think if any year is going to be his coming out party, I guess it would be this year. You could argue it was honestly last year, the way he played. Yeah. And a lot of people, I think us included, think that he got shafted for not getting a Vesna nomination. Maybe he did deserve to necessarily win it because he was short in some categories that they favor. But I feel like he definitely should have been at least one of the top three. But didn't get it this year. I think he's out to prove that he is one of the best goalies in the league. Statistically, he has been one of the best, if not the best over the last five seasons or so, he's got some of the best numbers in the league. So this is his year, and he's going to need to be good. He's going to need to be a Vesna-type goalie if the Ducks are going to make a, a long push, and you know, especially with all the injuries they have, the uncertainties around this team. Again, it's going to be Gibson who's going to be the driving force. 
Yeah, it seems like you got to have shutouts for them to really want to put you in that Vesna thing. Because you look at the top shutout guys, Pecorine uh, with eight, Vasilevsky with eight, and Hellebuck with six. Those are your three nominees. Mm -hmm. Because if you look at the save percentage, Gibson was better than Hellebuck and Vasilevsky. Goals against average, he was better than Vasilevsky. He just didn't really have the shutouts and, I guess, the wins to kind of go along with it. But a lot of times that win is not necessarily – uh, on the goalie, that can be a team thing. So, uh, you know, he didn't have a whole lot of support, but was the biggest one of the biggest reasons the Ducks were able to tread water through all those injuries through, you know, the beginning of the season when Getzloff wasn't there and really, you know, help this team get anywhere, you know, to second in the Pacific Division. I mean, that's just crazy. Over 100 points, and your goalie was a, your, your best, most consistent player. So now that we've gone through about every position on the team, we've got to talk about management. And there was an article that came out in The Athletic talking about Bob Murray. All and, good things? I mean, Eric Stevens is, you know, <laughs> he's, 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 he's got to be a little nice. Yeah. No, yeah. Eric Stevens is really, he's really opened up a ton since he's gone to The Athletic. I, I love what he writes there. He puts on a ton yeah. of shirt, too. So much fun to read his but, stuff. But uh, Bob Murray made a comment saying that he could have made a similar offer for Eric Carlson to the Ottawa Senators. Mm-hmm. Didn't make the move because he said he couldn't re-sign him. Is Bob Murray high or is Bob Murray high? Because you don't pass up on a generational player because you might not be able to re-sign him. You find a way to do that. I mean, Eric Carlson is not even going to be looking to re-sign in San Jose, I think, until February because that's when he can start to get he can get the max amount, the eight years as, a, as re-signing. So yeah. even he's waiting. He's still playing his time out in San Jose. So, which is kind of risky, right? He could yeah. sign for seven years, not get hurt, yeah. take the money now, and roll. But he's going to wait until midseason. Yeah. So, I think, I don't know. I think Bob Murray is absolutely nuts for not trying to make a deal to get him. No, what does that deal even look like? I mean, it, like putting it together in a my similar head, deal. It, it, yeah, it's probably like what, like Andre, Andre Kasha, Marcus Pedersen, Cali Tosola. Maybe Richie. yeah, you could throw Richie <laughs> in there. One of the Ducks, like B-rated prospects. Maybe even Isaac Lindstrom, and then just the same picks. I feel like you probably you could probably do that honestly because you know if the, this is their last little window to compete even if you can't re-sign them how much better does Eric Carlson make this team? Uh, I mean it gives them probably the, one of the best right side if not the best right side in the NHL if you have Carlson, Manson, and Montour, and then you would have on the left you would have Fowler, Lindholm, and then Jakob Larson could have potentially made the team. Josh Maher, who we already talked about, could have made the team. I mean, like imagine them having that. You would assume that this power play would no longer be god-awful when you have a guy like Eric Carlson who's going to be on the blue line. It would just be insane. I don't know why you don't do it. There's probably a lot of other things behind that, reasons why he didn't do it other than the fact that he couldn't resign him. Knowing Murray, that's probably the main reason because he doesn't like to take on these contracts and these he players. Hates Reynolds. Yeah, I mean, that, that's one of the reasons he said he didn't go on Evander Kane was that he didn't think he'd be able to resign him. Uh, you hear that all the time at the deadline when he tries to explain why he didn't make any moves. It's because he doesn't think he can resign players. And it, again, it makes sense to a point, but when you can go out and get a player like Eric Carlson, worry about resigning him later. That's what San Jose did. They're talking about an extension, but they're worrying about it later because they had the chance to go out and get Eric Carlson. You, you you fucking do it. <laughs> if Eric Carlson is there to grab, even if you have him for one season, if it's something that kind of pushes you up and gets you, you know, 
at the Stanley Cup or win the Stanley Cup, you're not going to remember, oh, we couldn't re-sign him afterwards. We won the Cup with him. I mean, I mean, and then on top of it, you know that you know, San Jose was in on Tavares and they couldn't get him. They were looking for something. How are you going to do that? That literally is what made the Ducks win the Stanley Cup is already having an all-star defenseman in Scott Niedermeyer and then signing a Norris Trophy winning uh, defenseman in Chris Pronger. And then you know, it's history from there. Now they've got two Norris Trophy winners, and they've got arguably another guy who was, I think, uh, 14th uh, in the Norris Trophy uh, voting in uh, um, Pickles. Vlasic. So, I mean, that's, that's a recipe for an amazing team. And that's it's really hard to overcome that when teams get three amazing guys that are that highly voted in Norris Trophy winning, they usually go on to win the cup. That happened once again with the Ducks because Boshime was also way up there in the voting for uh, the Norris that year as well. So it's insane. It's it, it, you just gave it away to a, a, a division rival. And now now it's a mountain to admit it is another thing to yeah. tell someone privately that you didn't do it. But to go on the record and be like, I, I probably could have done it, but uh, I couldn't. I couldn't keep him forever, so I didn't want to take a chance. <laughs> What's the but think of all that? the money they saved. <laughs> oh man, I, He's I gonna get max, I, but still. What's the strategic play to that? Like, what's the play to be like? Oh, I could have done it, but I didn't do it. I didn't do it. What's- what's that said to the players? Oh, hey, we could have got this elite guy. Really put us over the edge, but <laughs> you know, I love me some uh, prospects. That's yeah. unreal. It's a <laughs> similar package. When you say that, it's frightening because that means Pierre Dorian wasn't looking at Lindholm, wasn't looking at Montour. I, he's <laughs> you're talking about guys who aren't roster players. They got they got a third line guys off of San Jose. We went over this on, on our on our puck guy show. I know, but it blows me away that Bob Marie came out and say this. It's it's really sad. I, I really feel that he could have made a move if he's going to admit it. It means it was there. It means the opportunity was there. He didn't swing and hit it. Bobby, 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 Bobby. You, you almost say that when you think you're better than everybody else. Like, you yeah. know, you're like, oh, my decision to not do it was so much better than his decision to do it. So now I'm going <laughs> to tell everybody that I decided not to do it. But I could have done it. But yeah, I watch it not it. work out for them. Ha, ha, ha. I knew yeah. the secret. Yeah, exactly. If, if San Jose doesn't win, he goes, see, wasn't worth it. Yeah, they can make it to the cup final, lose in like game seven overtime. He'd be like, yeah, I was right. See, look at everything they gave up. Now they got nothing. Couldn't resign them. So let's end this on a good note, because at least for you guys. Okay. Where do you guys have the Ducks finishing in the Pacific Division? Yeah. So all that crapping on them being said, I actually have them finishing third. Not necessarily that they are going to be out, uh, you know, amazing. I feel that uh, the division once again we, we got bubble teams all over this uh, for me the top two teams in my opinion are vegas san jose for sure you know vancouver's at the bottom uh, everywhere else can kind of flip-flop but i think the kings are a little bit weaker this year calgary although a little bit better and arizona a little bit better i don't think they can make quite the jump and i don't think the ducks are going to have quite the regression that's going to force them down uh i don't It'll be interesting to see if they can maintain trying to get a 100-point season. Uh, the one few constants they've had over the last few years is they'll hit 100 points and they'll have home ice advantage in the first round. Uh, they won't have that this year, in my opinion. I think they lose that home ice advantage this year, but uh, it's it's not out of question that they, they get close to 100 again. I think it's going to be fairly similar. I think the, the youth injection, the speed, is something we were seriously lacking last year. 
and it's a little bit more excitement and uh, i'm kind of interested to see where that goes but it could easily go the other way but i just have a feeling third is is a good spot for them yeah i mean i've got them finishing third as well uh but like you said it it could flip anywhere and i feel like i'm being a bit of a homer by putting them in third (laughs) but uh, again, that's putting a lot of stock in what Sam Steele could bring to this team, what Comtois could bring to this team, what Troy Terry could bring to this team. I and mean, we, we all hope that they come in and they can put up you know, 40, 50 points each and just be the new wave of young players to come into this lineup and do well. But in all likelihood, Comtois, just because of Bob Murray, I just feel like it's such a move for him. No matter, Unless he lights it up, it, it probably sends him down before it costs him anything. You know, nine games trial, he probably gets sent down back to Drummondville unless he's lighting it up because it just makes sense roster-wise to do that. And you can just bring up a guy like who they just picked up, Pontus Aberg or somebody else from the goals and replace him in that sense. And I don't know. I, I, I want to say third. I have them in third. But again, I mean, it's on Gibson. It's on the defense. It's on the young guys to step up. It, it's going to be a packed division. Uh, goaltending and defense don't scare me. It's the forward group here that worries me the most, and that's where all the young injection is, and that's yeah. why I have the Ducks finishing fifth. Um, I think they're just out of the playoff spot this year. I don't have a lot of faith in the youth movement making an immediate impact. I think that's a lot of our own excitement for waiting for these guys. We've been talking about these guys for a few seasons. Um, like, hey, when's the next wave of forwards going to up? That's been a, a, a problem of mine for years. I always say, how come they won't go out and get – another premier forward to play on the, on the left wing and solidify that top line. They haven't done it, haven't done it, haven't done it. And now they have these, these young kids coming up and I just, I, that's a huge gamble. I, I don't know if it's going to work out for them. And if they get back these injured guys who are supposedly a hundred percent or near hundred percent, what does that mean? So just, there's too many question marks here, too many season after season of injuries and they've battled through and battled through. But I think this is just going to be the year. It doesn't work. Uh, they rode a lot on Ryan Getzloff and John Gibson last year. And I, I don't think they're going to be able to do it again this year. I think this team is just going to make uh, a step back and it's not going to be a pretty year for the ducks, but it's going to be a building year for the youth. Yeah. The, I mean, the key word here for this whole season is if, I mean, that one yeah. word. So, I mean, it's if Kessler and Eves are and can stay healthy, if the new kids can become regular NHL starters, if Gibson continues his elite level of goaltending. I'm not even worried about that. And, I'm, I'm worried about these, these kids. Well, and these they, old the, the Ducks are going to need Gibson to be elite. They're going to need him to be there because of a lot of the the these other ifs. Because if those ifs don't fall through, then Gibson's going to have to be elite. And if he's not elite this team's still going to struggle. And then if the core guys don't, you know, regress. So you need those core guys to kind of stay strong. Some of those uh, other guys to come in and those NHL start or the young kids be NHL starters. So that is our season preview for the Anaheim ducks. We have a few other things to touch on though. Um, we got to talk about our sponsor because that's a biggie that uh, has been with us last season and coming back again uh, this season. Eddie, why don't you tell everybody about our sponsor again this year? Well, listen, you, you guys are hockey fans, right? Nah. Yeah. Kind of, a little you bit. Guys, you guys love your team? Nah. Love, you love the players, <laughs> too? You love the players? Fine, yes. Well, you know what? At, at coolhockey.com, they get that. They understand that. You know, that's why they offer the highest quality NHL jerseys at competitive prices. They've been in business since 1999, customizing jerseys to NHL specs to give you quality work you won't find anywhere else. Cool Hockey is the number one place to get NHL jerseys with shipping available to any country in the world. Yes, you guys listening in Ireland, that's any country in the world. Head to coolhockey.com and use the promo code FM20. You get 20% off 
off your next jersey purchase. That probably covers shipping and taxes, which is still a pretty big deal. So make sure you guys head over to Cool Hockey. Uh, they've been sponsoring FM3 Stars since last year. They've been a big part of what we've been doing. They'll be back this year again for FM3 Stars, which starts on Wednesday. And it will run through the entire month of October for the first month. Uh, we'll go into more detail on that on Twitter and social media. But if you guys, everybody who ran through it last year, you know what's going on. Basically, try and participate in as many games as you can. The more chances you enter, the more points you could get, the better chance you have at winning the jersey at the end of the, the end of the month. Wow, they've been in 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 uh, production since 1998. 99. 99. 98. Oh, I thought you said 98. Uh, Why, what's I might have messed it up. Oh, I okay. probably messed it up 99. on the first read. All right, no, that, so I was a sophomore <laughs> in high school. You were a junior, sure. Pat. And, Eddie, were you born? I was five. <laughs> <laughs> you were five. <laughs> they were around a long time. All right, well, you were skating then because you're Canadian at five years. <laughs> you skate. <laughs> so coolhockey.com that's the place to go to get your jerseys as eddie was saying and the, the forever mighty three stars it's fun we trash talk it's it's we will update you every single game as the leaderboard so you can keep track there uh it's a it's you got to play to win and winning a free jersey is even better uh the ducks new third jersey is the one that's being given away in october if i'm not mistaken right yep they have them so, in stock apparently uh, any day now. So when that comes in stock, uh, we'll pick the winner and we'll do that. So if you guys are listening to this and we haven't announced the winner yet, go and find that tweet. It's from back in August, I believe, where we were promoting um, the tw- the giveaway on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. So if you haven't entered yet, you only have a couple more days to enter. So find yeah. that one up and tweet it. And uh, what were the rules on that one anyway? To sign up for all of our, oh, we had a, you just had to like ones. us. You just I had to like us, both the puck guys. I'm and just it, it's just easy to get to. I think it was like subscribe to our Spreaker account too. It's yeah, real easy. One. It's real easy to sign up and win a jersey. So check us out there. Figure that out for cool hockey. Be a part of all the fun for October for the uh, the jersey giveaway and FM uh, FM three stars. Um, also, want to go ahead and pump our Patreon when we have a chance. I know we're kind of long winded here at the end. A lot of new things coming up this season. If you haven't been listening to our puck guys thirty one and thirty, um, we're doing a Patreon with many different tiers for you to give to us, which in return means we get back to you with better audio, better video, more watch parties, more giveaways. Uh, we have more prizes we wanted we want to add to it. Uh, we'd also like to interact with you guys so you have a chance if you're um, one of our Patreon subscribers. One of the tiers is you get to jump on the show live with us, um, be part of a game show, win some cool uh, hockey merchandise, and you know participate and have fun. So that's what it's all about is uh, you participate with that. It pays us to help us uh, give back to you guys and bring you better shows, bonus content. Um, but Jason has some good news, too. Yes. Um, huge giveaway coming up here in October, and it's going to be part of the Patreon. So, Jay, what's up? Okay, guys. So uh, we really want to try and get more uh, Patreon subscribers. There's a ton of great content, like Pat just said. Uh, you get to speak to us directly. There's a lot more involvement. So if you like what we say or you want to pick our brains, it makes us far more available. But um, we are also giving away the very, very, very coveted tickets to two tickets in the 200 sections for the game on October 21st where they are retiring Paul Correa's jersey hanging it up to the rafters uh, and these are tickets that are next to impossible to get but unless you have a lot of money unless you have a lot of money or know a whole lot of people somehow we know people 
So we've got two tickets that we will be uh, giving away, and the way that you would enter is to go ahead and sign up on the Patreon. And if you sign up on the Patreon, you will be entered to win. So uh, when we get to the drawing, which I I think we're going to probably try and do maybe about a week before the actual day, and then we will announce a winner. But just sign up. There are four different tiers, ranging from $1 to $10, and you can read all about what tiers uh, offer uh, within all of those. All of it's good stuff. Like uh, Pat said, all of this stuff goes back to making this podcast better, sound better, allow us to be a little bit more uh, remote, but also pay things that we have been paying out of pocket for for years and trying to cover our costs a little bit, but also to give back to you guys this ticket's one great way and you get to see a hockey game and a memorable night that you're not really going to get another chance at ever seen. So um, that's our gift to you. But uh, if you could just go over to Patreon and it's what Patreon.com slash Puck Guys Forever Mind is where you'll find it. Yes. So go there, sign up, become a patron, help us out, and you have a chance to win plus many other prizes and bonus content. And we got to give a shout out to Eddie who's been putting together all this video streaming we're going to be doing this uh, this season. We're going to be on YouTube and plus live on Spreaker like we were last year. It's given him headaches, but we're figuring it out. So you'll see us live, unfortunately. <laughs> um, if you don't like to look at us, you don't have to. You can still listen to us on Spreaker and not see our faces. But uh, if you want to tune in and see what we're doing, uh, you'll be able to do that on YouTube. But um, I think that's a wrap for the show today, unless I'm missing something. Are we all good? Uh, interview, right? Yeah, well, it's oh. after. I mean, we have an interview with Shellshock Designs uh, with Noah Ennis. That is, he talks about the uh, mask he made for John Gibson for the 25th anniversary. So we'll have that at the end of this, which is pretty cool because he also has a spoiler in, in there that I won't give away. But it's about a future project he has coming up for this season as well. So it's a pretty great interview. All right, so there you have it. Stay tuned for the interview. Thanks for listening to us. Uh, interject some news here, and we'll talk to you guys on Wednesday after the Ducks play. The Detroit Red Wings, right? No. Damn it. I'm no. missing that. The San Jose Sharks. San Jose Sharks. Yeah. Oh, so close. So close. Their first home games against Detroit. <laughs> yeah. First game of Almost the season. Got it. San Jose. Uh, yeah. So Wednesday night will be our first night back uh, doing Forever Mighty Live. Talk to you guys then. Thanks for tuning in. Bye, guys. All right, everybody. We're back with the first interview of the new season. We've got Noah Ennis from Shellshock Design and Paints. You guys have probably seen the two new masks that uh, we tweeted out on our Instagram, John Gibson's 25th anniversary helmet and Jared Crow's new mask for the season. So Noah Ennis is, is the guy behind that. How's it going, Noah? Good. How are you? Pretty good. It's going great. <laughs> so we've obviously seen the the two new masks, a lot of hype around John Gibson's 25th anniversary helmet. And of course, you just released Jared Caro's new mask today. Um, one thing I want to know is, is how long does it, the design process for that take? Like, when did you start conceptualizing these two masks? Uh, I mean, it's different for every mask, helmet, uh, whatever it is we're painting. Um, I try to get as much feedback from the clients as possible to kind of pick their brain and figure out uh, what they're looking for, what their likes are, what their dislikes are, and kind of like get into their personality. So, you know, sometimes uh, everything can just fall into place and it can go really quickly, and then other times it's kind of a struggle. But I would say on average, the typical mask or helmet, you're looking at anywhere from 15 to 50 hours. 
Yes, yeah, that's a, a lot of time, but you see it in, in the final work. And, and, you know, you're looking at some of the little subtleties on John Gibson's mask. I mean, you got a lot of throwbacks to his hometown in Pittsburgh with the Steelers uh, logo on it. You've got Pittsburgh and the Pirates logo kind of on the side there. So does a goalie come to you with a concept and then you kind of bring back a couple prototypes for them? Or is it just a continuing working process where you bounce ideas off each other? Uh, I mean, Gibson's uh, 25th anniversary mask was a little different, um, being it's one of the first masks I painted for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's uh, a very like laid-back, chill guy. <laughs> uh, and trying to get input uh, was a little difficult. <laughs> uh, not that you know, it was bad, it was just... Uh, you know, he just wanted something cool. Like, that's <laughs> yeah. what he kept saying. He just wanted something cool. Um, but we wanted to do something with the wings. And, you know, he wanted to incorporate his hometown of Pittsburgh on there. And typically that's something that he said he always had on the back plate. Mm-hmm. But uh, we had already decided we were going to do something with the Stanley Cup on the back plate. So then it turned into, well, what else can we do? And it just now, kind of evolved uh... from there. Now, I know you do a lot of uh, other uh, helmets and not yep. necessarily goalie helmets. Uh, it, do you find it different between um, a goalie giving you feedback, you know, that, that constant uh, back and forth of what might work or, or not? Or are they more reclusive uh, like John Gibson was or laid back and, you know, it's just, yeah, hey, do what you think versus maybe other sports? Um, I mean, well, a little backstory. Um I'm originally from the Northeast. I grew up playing hockey. I was on ice skates before <laughs> I could even walk. Nice. Uh, so I've played, you know, with a lot of goalies over the years, and I kind of know how goalies think and, you know, <laughs> superstitions and stuff like that. And my family has been involved in racing also since I was little. So I've kind of had the luxury of being uh, exposed to both growing up. And racing, they seem to be more um, corporate or edgy, whereas goalies, they just want to be different. Like, that's mm-hmm. their whole thing. Like, they just, whatever they can do to kind of set themselves apart from what everybody else is doing, that's what they like. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, uh, I played beer league uh, as a goalie and have for a little while. So I know for sure that the uh, the goalie mask can kind of uh, really kind of separate you a little bit when it's done really well just like you did today again it's like i said it's one of those you know things where you know racers um their helmets like they like them to be more or less like an extension of their personality or represent their sponsors Mm -hmm. whereas like you said like goalies that you know they just want something that's different than everybody else because you get Typically, you can't control um, your pad design or, you know, however that, because everything is so stock these days, whereas their goalie mask, that's the one thing they have an actual say on. Yeah, it makes sense. And, and I mean, from you, you look in a, in a lot of different design fields, I mean, in most areas, it's a lot easier when a guy comes in and, and brings you this concept that you can work from. Is it generally easier for them to, to bring you something, something tangible that you can work with and go out from? Or do you like having the creativity to just have a guy say, just bring me what you got, just just bring me something cool like John Gibson said? Um, it's different for everybody. Um, I Like I said, I tried to read a client's personality and kind of figure out 
the frame of mind that they're coming from. Um, you know, sometimes when they say, just bring me something cool, I can instantly pick up on what they're thinking. And then other times they'll come to me with a design and I'm like, oh, dear Lord. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea how to make this look good. Or try to steer them in a direction where, like, I think we can have something we're going to be proud of instead of something where we're going to say, yeah, I didn't paint that. <laughs> yeah, don't leave your name off of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, now, I, I'm curious, I'm fascinated by this, especially with the, the NHL kind of being a, a league that uh, likes to get their hands in a lot of things. Um, after a player approves the de- the design or, or likes what you've done, does it not then have to pass like a team or league officials? Like, do they get their say in there? And does that happen well before you get to the finished product or after the player said, yeah, that looks perfect? Um, I mean... I honestly think it's a team-by-team basis. Uh, Like, Maddie Brayfield, uh, who works with the Ducks equipment staff, um, he's good friends of mine, and I know J.F. LeBay really well. And, uh, you know, basically, like, they just said, hey, we fully trust what you'll do. Um, Just go ahead and knock it out of the park. Uh, Like, I've done stuff with other teams, and they'll send you a guideline book of the logo has to be just like this. It can't be manipulated in any way. It, you know, and then it's like a tedious process of trying to get it approved from like six different people. Oh, um, man. And, you know, like if you look, uh, other mask painters, um, some of them like don't do anything for one team. And there's a reason for that. Like they just know. It the hassle isn't worth it. <laughs> it's gonna be pain in the other ass. Ones, like, yeah, they'll use you know three or four different mask painters or just all the same one. It, it kind of you know varies, uh, like I think from team to team type of basis. Okay, and so you you have a working relationship with the Ducks guy. Uh, do you have any more relationships with other NHL teams, or is that kind of your main go-to? Because I know you've done a few different masks. For a few different goalies uh, on the Ducks, uh, Kevin Boyle being another one that I saw on your Instagram page. Yeah, not, um, the Ducks really is my only um, NHL organization. I've done a lot of stuff with a lot of college teams, a lot of junior teams. Um, and, and, you know, in all honesty, uh, with, you know, like the racing helmet market that I have, Right now, currently, like having one NHL team is just the right amount. Obviously, I would <laughs> like to expand that and have more. Uh, but until you know the opportunity presents itself, like doing the Duck stuff, it, you know, it's fantastic. They're a great organization to work with, uh, and, and everybody's just been awesome. I mean, so uh, you know, if the opportunity presents itself, great. If not, I'm perfectly content with sticking with the Ducks. Yeah. Now, you also said that you grew up uh, in a family and in an area that was hockey uh, accessible. And my question is, are you more of a a Ducks fan or do you have a favorite team that you tend to root for (laughs) hockey wise or or you can't say? (laughs) Long, 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 long story short, um, I grew up in Syracuse, New York, and growing up. Uh, I always went to the crunch games. Uh, 
So, like, when J.F. LeBay played for Syracuse, I was a little kid, and I was a huge fan of J.F. Um, and then one day on Twitter, J.F. LeBay liked something I posted. I was like, huh, is this the same guy? <laughs> so I sent him a private message, and he was like, yeah, this is the real J.F. LeBay. And I was like, the real J.F. LeBay <laughs> that played for the Syracuse Crunch? He's like, Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, one thing led to another, and this was four years ago, and we've grown to be really good friends. Um, but growing up, I was a huge Ottawa Senators fan, and I still am an Ottawa Senators fan. Oh, uh, oh you poor so guy. painting the back plate. On the, and here's the funny part. I actually <laughs> spent almost three grand to go out to Anaheim to watch Ottawa lose in 06 07, <laughs> to then turn around and paint the Stanley Cup ring on the back plate. I'm like, well, this isn't full circle. Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. I, I mean, <laughs> I guess you probably know what question's coming next now that you've admitted you're an Ottawa Senators fan, but how are you doing with the recent news coming out about Eric Carlson going to the Ducks' rivals? I feel like it's a little bit bittersweet because now you get to see him, I guess, beat up on the Ducks in a way, and you get a little bit of revenge maybe for 07. Uh, but it's obviously sad to see him go. I mean, it is sad to see him go. Um, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, it's not the best situation in Ottawa, and I think that's no – I mean, that's no secret. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I understand him wanting to move on. Uh, it's just unfortunate he had to go to San Jose because I really dislike San Jose. <laughs> uh, Everyone does. Yeah, I, I, it's – like I told my wife, I said, if there was five teams I could pick him not to go to, San Jose would be in that list every single time. So I'll say I'm not buying a San Jose Carlton. <laughs> uh, just the last thing on the, the being an Ottawa fan, I just got to know, how do you feel about that owner, Melnick? Uh, it's one of those things where, you know, when he bought the team, uh, he did a lot of good at the beginning, uh-huh. and now everything. I think every Ottawa fan would agree. You kind of got a question mark of what is he doing? <laughs> um, is he trying to sell the team? Is he trying to drive the price down? Does he just not care? It's it's very disconcerting. Um, you, you know, it's one of those things where I don't think anybody really knows. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's an interesting situation that's developing there. I got one last question here about about the masks. Um, is is it cool for you to turn on a game uh, and be able to see one of your designs in action? I'm sure Gibson will be wearing that a fair amount with a lot of the 25th anniversary nights that they're going to be having in the throwback nights. So is is it a cool experience for you to turn that on and see it on TV? Yeah, you know, um I would say probably the biggest kick I get is going to a game or turning on the TV and seeing something that I've done out there. Um, and I will tell you, there is a very special mask we did for Gibson that has not been released yet. And it's something the ducks are going to do here. Um, shortly that I think, uh, a lot of ducks fans are going to be really excited with <gasps> insider information. I love it. <laughs> That's all I can say, but... That's enough. That's enough. It's a teaser. We'll use it. We'll run with it. (laughs) 
<laughs> All right, perfect. Well, Noah, thank you so much for coming on and talking about the mask. Everybody's really excited. The, the response on, on social media has been great, especially surrounding John Gibson's 21st anniversary mask. And we're really excited to see what's coming, coming up in the future. So thanks for coming on. Oh, no, thank you guys for having me. Perfect. And, and where can everybody find, find yourself? Like, where can they find you on, on social media and in, in different avenues? Uh, my website is shellshockpaint.com. Um, my Twitter and Facebook and Instagram is all just shellshock uh, paint or shellshock designs. Uh, feel free to give us a follow, and um, I hopefully we won't disappoint anybody. <laughs> all right, perfect. Well, thanks again, Noah. All right, thank you. Thank you. Thanks.